This is The 20 with DJ Spider, presented by BeatSource. What is up, everyone? We're back. We're here. We're all together. Welcome to The 20 Podcast, brought to you by BeatSource. I'm your host, DJ Spider. DJ Spider! Wow, so much change. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for the drop, little John. Um, yo, you guys, so much is happening in the DJ world right now. And one of the biggest things for open format DJs is STEMS inside of Serato DJ's newest edition 3.0, which the incredible thing is that I've been learning is that it works with BeatSource as well. So you can use the BeatSource files with the STEMS functionality, which is absolutely mind blowing. And if you don't understand what that means, it's giving you the ability to create acapellas, instrumentals, bass lines, drum tracks, basically extract parts from the songs and on the fly, live, play them. So you could take a song and make an instrumental, make an acapella, blend them together. You could utilize a streaming track from BeatSource and do it. You could take a video. The sky, is, not even the sky is the limit. I mean, the universe is the limit at this point. Like, my mind is blown with what is going on. So, I uh, have been like, you know, a kid who just got a new toy and is staying up all night and is unable to go to sleep because I need to play with this thing forever, having so much fun with it. Uh, we discuss it a little bit on this episode, but, man, you got to get into it. And the fact that it works with BeatSource is incredible. So, all the more reason to use BeatSource link, and uh, you don't even have to buy all the songs, and you can use it. Um so yeah, the blend and remix possibilities are endless. Um, I uh, check my page. I'll be posting some of the blends and some of the stuff that I've been doing on there. I also have a video coming out with Pioneer DJ any day now. It might be out while you're listening to this. So go check Pioneer DJ's YouTube. They have a series called Out of Office, I think. Uh, and I did like a 30-minute mix using the S7 mixer and the CDJ 3000s. Um, I'm really happy with how it came out. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Hit me up and let me know what you think. Um, check out my website and my Instagram. Uh, my website is djspider.com, D-E-E-J-A-Y-S-P-I-D-E-R. And my Instagram is djspider. Um, check out those. And um, I will have my upcoming gigs on there. I've been at Floor Room every Friday, or actually every week. I'm pretty much there in Los Angeles. I'll be doing some Saturdays and Thursdays coming up, but uh, check it out. Also, I'll be in San Francisco, Dallas, Nashville, Vegas, a bunch of cities coming up over the next month or two. So peep all that scheduling on my site. Um, and thank you guys for the all the amazing messages I get, all the beat sorcerers, all the supporters. We couldn't do this without you. I love doing this podcast with you guys. Um, all the messages you send me every day are incredible. Make sure you rate and review the show on Apple or I'll give us a thumbs up on YouTube. You can watch us. You can listen to us. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere. So thank you guys. Um, and now let's talk about today's incredible guest we have on the show. She's an L.A. local who has been putting in work since the vinyl days. Um, she is extremely versatile with the genres and the types of events that she can DJ. So you'll hear on this show, she's doing everything from, uh, you know, A-list nightclubs, the high-end private events, uh, and she's done everything from all the bars when we were coming up and, um, you know, like 
DJed all over the world, really. Like, her stories were incredible, and I got to learn so much about her. Um, also, she's done this all while being self-managed, and I know a lot of you guys have questions about booking agents and self-managers, and uh, this will answer a lot of that, hopefully. Um, she's also a mother and an all-around great person. So to hear her story is just really impressive, inspirational, and really cool. I was happy to finally sit down with her and learn about her entire story, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it and all the insightful and important things that she has to say. So please welcome to the show, DJ Lady Shaw. We've got someone very special on the show. Give it up for Lady Shaw. Thank you. Very overdue. Yes, yes. Um, And we were just discussing how we've known each other for probably 17 years. And we've never sat down for a one-on-one conversation. it's always been on the go. Or me, like, in those early years coming to see you DJ and just hanging out in the DJ booth and just like, Hi, bye. Do you need water? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Or just crossing paths. Or me coming out of Winston's and you're coming out of Bar Lubitsch. It's like, oh, Joe, good night. Okay, see you later. (laughs) er One of my earliest memories of you is coming to see you at Ledoux. I would come by myself. Oh my God! What two thousand seven? I don't even know, but I would wow. just I would yeah. be like, oh, spiders at Ledoux. Like I would just want to go out in those early years and just like oh, same. just listen to DJs I liked, and right. it wasn't it wasn't as much for like networking as it was for inspiration. And I never want to go see a DJ I don't like play. Totally. I want it to be worth my time. And there were a few, and you were one of them. So I'd be like, oh, spiders at Ledoux. I'm just going to go by myself. Oh, my God. I would just show up to the door, and they'd be like, who are you with? And I'm like, just me, DJ Lady Shaw. <laughs> and they're like, okay, who are you? Why? I was like, uh, I'm just going to, I'm a friend of DJ Spiders. And they were like, all right. And they just <laughs> let me in, and I'd just go hang out in the DJ booth with you. Oh my God. Yeah, two, every Tuesday I was there. Mm-hmm. A lot of. A lot of crazy stuff. I remember having like Britney Spears there one night behind me, just so drunk, and look back and she's just puking into the <laughs> ice bucket where you keep the bottles. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, this could be on like TMZ or something. Yep. I don't even know if TMZ existed at that point in life, mm-hmm. but um, there was some sort of paparazzi thing. That's crazy. Yeah. So we've known each other, I mean, since, you know, the early days of Hollywood club life and, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you, you've done so many, <laughs> we got, we got mics going up and down. Let's see. There we go. That's the special sound effects for you guys at home. You can try to predict that was an elephant or a microphone. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, I was thinking about like your career and how long we've known each other and all the different events you do. And it's really there's no way to pigeonhole you into one thing. And there's no way to say, oh, you just do this. Like, you've been, number one, DJing in L.A. since the early days of the bottle service nightclubs, the bars. So everything from the Ledoux and all that to, like, Bar Lubitsch, Winston's kind of thing, to the private events, to everything. You know, like, all of those things. So you've obviously got all types of experience um, and you're still doing it, you know, and there's not a lot of people I think that can say that at this point Um, and not to bring up the whole female male thing, but a lot of like women DJs also, I don't think are doing that. We were discussing just even women DJs in the LA club scene and we couldn't think of, I don't even think many others, if not any others that are doing like the A-list clubs like you. So, you know, we can get into all of that. Um, 
But I guess before we get into it, how are you doing today? How's your day been? I'm good. I am like, you know, I don't want to say I'm a new mom, but I have a two and a half year old. So that like, like Monday through Thursday, that's like it runs my life. And then all of a sudden Friday I snap into okay, going to go DJ a big bottle service club tonight and I have to down, like, check Spotify and, like, all Apple Music and, like, Power 106 playlists and just make sure I have all the newest, 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 newest hip-hop that came out because, like, you get to Poppy or you get to a Bootsy and literally you arrive and they're like, do you have that cut off that mixtape that came out five minutes ago? A table's requesting it before they even show up. <laughs> and I'm like, got it. <laughs> so, like, Crazy. you have to be so... So on top of new music for these clubs because right. club goers are on top. Like they're they're like banging the new mixtape or new album that just came out a few hours ago on their way to the club and expecting the DJ to already play like the three singles off that right. new Migos or Drake or whatever album when they arrive. Yeah. So I'm like literally downloading music up until the minute I'm leaving for Poppy or Bootsy these days. And then... God. On the flip side of it, I'll turn around and do a corporate event where it's all like cool, deep housey, soulful, like like upbeat remixes of like Marvin Gaye and Fleetwood Mac and like so like yeah. I am just digging multiple genres all week long to prepare for events that are on opposite ends of the spectrum there's no overlap between my gigs and so right. literally i have to keep up on music on with music on so many fronts yeah and i know more and more like it's been like that for me too where it's so spread out you know and then it's hard to even figure out how to um organize your music and yeah. your computer and know what to download what to delete how to do your crates and all that stuff i mean yeah. how do you deal with that um, I just like, I just ordered a new laptop with a terabyte of storage because nice. I was like, I don't <laughs> Much know needed. that at the rate I'm downloading music and not having the time to delete it. Yeah. I just like, am, I need more and more space. And I, I, I think it's one of the reasons I can't be a USB DJ. I need my entire yeah. library in front of me with all the crates I've made. And I still do my crates like before it was iTunes and then it turned into the music app. This is so unpopular. Everyone's doing their crates either in record box no, or No, we get Serato. everybody on here. All, all types of I, I too, I was I, like, my stuff is organized by genre by decade. Okay. And I've been doing that it, it that way for 20 years. And like you still utilize the iTunes, by decade. the iTunes crates or music or whatever. I it make is. my own folders in iTunes and set my Serato to read iTunes, but then right. iTunes became the music app with the newer yeah. operating systems and everyone told me I'd have to abandon that and like just go into Serato, but then the new music um, app no, everybody's I, I figured wrong about out how that. to yeah, yeah maintain all my folders. I have my big folders of genres and in them I, I have everything separated by decades so that if somebody's like I want fifties and sixties like house or not house, fifties and sixties soul like 50s mixed house, with like probably. Yeah, fifties <laughs> house. <laughs> <laughs> or like fire. you know, remixes of this. I know what folder and what but then yeah. I also have like my new music folder that just right. has two thousand songs in it I haven't sorted through. So yeah. like when I have time to sort through it and put them in the right folders then like it really serves me well at these gigs and i want right. access to all twenty thousand songs at all, all <laughs> times that's how i am because i don't plan anything in advance i've never planned in advance for gigs unless it's like a very specific genre re request from a client and then i'll like throw songs into a folder for them but i never yeah. go into a nightclub or a special event 
knowing what song I'm going to play first, middle, and last. I have no idea. Right. Yeah, a lot of times I like to know maybe the first or the beginning because it, like, makes me have, I don't know, it gives me a little bit of relief or comfort, yeah. and then I'm like, okay, I can figure it out from then here. Then you can but, just think on the fly. Yeah, yeah, but as long as you have a nice, solid creative music or something that's what i've been noticing too with gigs where i'm like all right this is like i'm just gonna only dj out of this sometimes when i go into all the crates it's too much and i just no, like get paralyzed like or overwhelmed one, one like for for the clubs i have one fold one you know big folder and under it yeah. it's got all these crates that i go into like for early part of the night height of the night closing the night la is just an interesting market because Poppy and Bootsy open at 11. People, right. sh- people you, I, you're almost doing an opener set and because there's almost not enough time to have openers anymore. So right. ever since we came back from the pandemic, like these clubs are kind of like, can you just open for yourself? And you're like, I mean, the night's basically five minutes long. So it's, sure. Like I, I mean, almost prefer it that way at this so point true. in LA versus in Miami, the night was like 10 PM to 5 AM. And I would go on at 1.30 a.m. at like Rockwell. But here yeah. it's like the nights, the doors kind of open at 11, but not really till 11.15. The club doesn't get packed till 12.30. Then you have from 12.30 to 1.45 to kill it. Just slam it, slam it, slam it. 1.45 into like slow jams where everyone's nice and drunk and singing along like at the top of their lungs. And then 1.59, cut, <laughs> out, drinks down, lights on, harsh Everyone yes. out, like get out. <laughs> like, so funny. That's like so. a perfect explanation of like LA nightlife. Like I've been doing this spot Fridays uh, called Floor Room, and it's. I was saying like I'll DJ. I'll go on at ten, and people come at like eleven thirty six p.m. You know, it's like <laughs> there's like one minute. Like you look, it's like eleven forty seven. It's literally that's when empty, human beings log in. And then you look up and yeah. every table's full. Right. Then like twelve oh one, they're like there. Twelve thirty six, they're going crazy. Yeah. One forty two, they're starting to leave. It's yeah. like, it's like <laughs> you have like such a small amount yeah. of time to like yeah. get the right songs at it's the right so thing and get them in there and adjust. The timing has to be yeah. like impeccable. And Being that's in what, an LA market and then going to a Miami market and you're like yeah oh uh, the night there's no headlining set (laughs) like it's like right learning to stretch out a set and incorporate so many more decades and years of songs into your set it's it's like freeing but also at the same time you get back to LA and you're like yeah condense it down to an hour and a half again I know so how how often do you do so you do Bootsy and Poppy or you like your LA Poppy residencies? Poppy and Bootsy Bellows once a month at each usually, and then okay. like I'll throw in a Harriet's rooftop or like a Mondrian pool, like a right. little a bungalow Santa Monica, like random okay. things like that. But for the most part, like my regular gigs are Poppy and Bootsy once a month, and then every week looks different for me because of special events, like right. The Creative Emmy Awards two weeks ago. I yeah, did, I saw like, you just Netflix did that. The Netflix Creative that, Emmy. Yeah, that's so cool. Which was like epic. And then like uh, Patek Philippe came into town from New York. And they've been my client for like 10 years. Oh, counting. wow. Like, so every year I DJ stuff for them. And 
we stopped during the pandemic and then this year they came back with two events like we need you and i was like they should Amazing. have you wear like a watch on each hand i made doing a joke <laughs> of like oh how many dj gigs how many more years till i get a watch and right the president is like or at least put it on <laughs> while you dj like one on each and they <laughs> film your arms like that's good advertising right there <laughs> that's also like a hundred thousand of merchandise yeah, so like <laughs> i mean it's a good uh real tiktok video they'd have to have security <laughs> posted on either side of me like be like this is a two hundred thousand dollar dj yeah. set minus the dj fee right yeah. here let's go <laughs> so yeah um every week looks different yeah that's so cool it's well, kept it exciting over the last yeah 20 years right and i mean to talk about the past three years i mean your life all of our lives have changed so much because of the pandemic like you said you have a two and a half year old so if you rewind three years like there was no pandemic and you did not have a child Three years you ago. You then, like, your whole life got shut down professionally, but your other life as a mother got completely sort of birthed, I guess. It's inter- was, it, the pandemic al- almost did not play a big part into my life. Well, it's interesting. It almost, the, like, the went, it helped, it. or it must have been yeah. nice in a way. But then after a while, now it's probably nice to be able to come back yeah. into, because, you know, us being L.A. Uh, locals, we were some of the most shut down people, I think, in the country. Um, mm-hmm. L.A. just kind of started having events again this year in like March, right? February, mm-hmm. March around Super Bowl, I remember, was like the first events I, I saw coming back. And it's still slowly a roller coaster up and down for the events. You know, I mm-hmm. get hit up for a lot of events and then they go, oh, they're going to use a playlist or they're just going to do a dinner. Or they're yes, going to do a small I'm still screening. still getting things like that and still. It's like not I would, the same. I would normally do the SNL Emmys party every year. And this year they were like, they just did a small private yeah, thing with dinner, like 40 a, people and a playlist. Yep. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, but they're like, oh, next please. year we'll be back. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but like, like there's always like, I, I think the second half of this year picked up right. to the point where it almost felt like pre-pandemic. So I was like, oh, wow, things are back. Like for me. Yeah. Um, so how does that feel for you? That's what I was wondering. My like, life looks way different because before the pandemic, I was flying to Miami every other weekend I remember. to do like Rockwell, oh Miami yeah. and sometimes live. So I was right. like, I'm like, is she living in Miami? Because <laughs> I was seeing you do no, no, <laughs> back the club, and forth. The club live. Like, no, no, yeah. no, I know. But I, know, I was I I, living there. I, it seemed yeah. like you were living there because I'm like, she's playing there and she's playing here. And she's going all over. No, I would literally do like poppy on a Friday night yeah. and w- wake Crazy. up at 7 a.m. and get on the 11 a.m. flight to Miami, land there at like 9 p.m. and then yeah. get ready because my set wasn't until 1.30 in the morning. So then right. I had like four hours till my set to like go do makeup, get ready and then go to the club, DJ till 4 or 5 a.m. and then sometimes get on the 7 a.m. flight home. And now when I think about that, I'm like, <laughs> thank god that's not my life anymore loved it at the time that was like i was really like just on cloud nine those years of like fly doing clubs in la flying to miami every other weekend just having that freedom no kids no responsibilities just your dj career and like that that was an amazing time in my life and then rockwell actually uh, sold their lease during the pandemic so that was like no longer on my schedule and then my baby, I, I got pregnant in 2019, still DJed all the way up till eight months pregnant, like wow. that January, February, my toddler was born two or three weeks later, lockdown. And so it's funny because oh, I had exactly. no idea. Yeah, that was my timeline. And I had no idea that having a child, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to scare people out there, but it wrecks your body. <laughs> <laughs> 
well, I mean, I mean, it changes you, everything. Yeah, it you know changes I mean? everything. Yeah. Your lifestyle, and then for females, there's a recovery from labor and delivery. Right. And so I had like DJ gigs, like he, my baby was born February 11th, and I had DJ gigs scheduled February 15th. Oh, like yeah. things like, and then and like, like uh, I was no. like, mm, <laughs> not going to make that anymore. And then like slowly gigs started getting canceled as lockdown became a real thing. Right. And at, with every gig that got canceled, I felt a sense of relief because yeah. I was literally living in like pajamas, maybe wearing pants. I can't remember <laughs> like with a newborn on my right. lap, like figuring out the like entire world timing. of like new motherhood, sleeping one hour and in it, like literally one hour a night. And like, I mean, it was yeah. just like, it was a whole new, like I was like literally in mom university in right. my house. I'm oh my already, God. I'm actually very much of a homebody if I'm not, at the club turning up, I'm yeah. at, at home yeah. turning down. Turning I do not, down for what? even though I no, still sorry. stay up till 4 a.m., I'm still staying up till 4 a.m. for no reason at my house. I just right. am it's a like homebody anyways. So I just like, I, I with every gig that got canceled with lockdown and the pandemic, and then my husband also works in the nightlife industry and in, oh, ho- really? in well, he's uh, in the hotel industry. Okay. And so his whole industry got shut down and he went back to work like for two days and then lockdown began. And I was like, oh, thank God I need help. I can't be alone with a child like having him at home that support system and then like gigs getting canceled I was like the quiet part that I wasn't supposed to say out loud was oh thank god like I cannot leave that I don't want to to get off my couch right now I don't want to put on makeup and do my whole to do hour and a half get ready to go out to the club and like have that energy to turn up like I didn't have that so I was very happy that like my gigs got canceled by default without me. It's very hard for DJs in general to say, I don't want that gig. I'm not going to do that work. I'm going to turn down that money. Saying no is literally the hardest thing for us. And so I don't, I have to work on that, having that boundary within myself to turn down gigs. And the pandemic did it for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It gives you the practice for it. And now you can come back into it. Um, being a little stronger. more selective, yeah. being, like you come back and, and guess what? We don't have to talk about Twitch. Skipped that whole thing. Like I am, <laughs> I'm here to, as a testament to other DJs. You could have had that, the raising a baby uh, <laughs> and DJing Twitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm here to say that it's okay if you don't do Twitch. Your career, like my career did not like get right. flushed down the toilet. Like as soon as they literally the first weekend that clubs opened back up, I was back in the clubs. Yeah. It was just that they didn't open back up till 2021, really. Right. Yeah, 2021. Like yeah, April yeah. of 2021, got the call from Jen Rosero, come to, um, I want you to be our Saturday night bungalow DJ, and we're bringing it back. And I'm bringing DJs back. I was like, great. Nice. Like, I was just like right back in the club, like nothing happened. Right. Nobody in the clubs are wearing masks. Oh, I, I remember that. I almost wonder if like, first, like the oh clubs, I, I thought to myself, Actually, are the clubs the safest place to be? Because all these people don't Have give a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've had COVID probably three times. The antibodies in this space <laughs> are probably insane because these people are not mask wearers and right. like just get COVID over and over again. And now they're like super immune. <laughs> so maybe actually being COVID. in the club is the most like safe place to be <laughs> at least bu- isn't bungalow outside no I don't um know. a bungalow is outside but yeah poppy and bootsy are absolutely indoors oh yeah poor air Very circulation yeah. everyone i mean i know smoking's legal but not in these nightclubs like everyone's smoking oh, yeah and 
Especially with like, like weed I come being home legal, and have to like, completely shower yeah. head to toe because everything smells like weed and smoke and whatever. And I'm pretty sure the one time I caught COVID was from Fabulous <laughs> at Bootsy. But like I can pinpoint the night. Right. And I was like the only like person in the club wearing a mask while DJing because I still wanted to be like responsible right. and yeah. not take COVID home to my no, toddler and course. parents and husband. So I'm like wearing a mask in the club and Fabulous was performing at Bootsy like January of this year, 2022, I think, when Omicron was like at its height, and I had to keep taking my mask oh, off January, to discuss, the, the yeah, time. to like I discuss got it in his set. Too. Yeah, I was like, "You're gonna do this song, okay? No, now you want this song next, okay?" And then like that week, I got COVID, and I was like, "I got it from Fabulous. I know it." I mean, I <laughs> mean, not, I don't know it. COVID. I don't know. Yeah, F A B O C O B I D. No, I mean, if Fabulous ever listens to this, he'd be like, "What?" I mean, it's it's so. That was a very crowded DJ booth yeah. that night, and no, people were talking to I'm me sure this close. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, people are all up in my face, literally like passing weed like an, over my head and in front of my face. So I'm like, you know, the, I told you before, Poppy and Bootsy sell the DJ booth as a bottle service table. So literally, right. your space is taken out from under you. you like, I, by the end of the night, I'm you must have some up. of the craziest stories ever yeah, from I'm squished up against the DJ equipment. They've sold the table for five, ten, fifteen thousand oh dollars, or the rapper who's the who, whatever artist is yeah, performing. That's their guest Their entourage area. comes into the DJ booth, and now you're squished up against the, and you're like, "Excuse me, I just need to get to that CDJ. Oh, I just need to. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> excuse me, it's got to do I my job. To, yeah, <laughs> I just hear like I just need to cue the next song. Like that's literally how it is at the end of the night. People yeah. are literally in your armpits, and so. <laughs> I am surprised. Yeah, I only caught COVID once, and it was. I'm pretty sure it was from Bootsy that night. And for people listening, it like uh, Poppy and Bootsy are primarily at this point like hip hop clubs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, all, I feel like all clubs in LA want hip hop right now. I mean, no, not like right. epic. Well, big certain clubs. clubs. There, yeah. There's the, some of the bottle service clubs are very hip hop heavy, mm -hmm. um, and then there's. I mean, LA is so huge that we have every different kind of club, yeah. but. But those are, you know, primarily, like heavy, you said, yeah. you need to be on up on all the newest uh, hip hop stuff Very to new. be able to and kill it. And then I there. still like in my mind, in my mind, and in my heart, like want to keep like the DJ AM flame alive, which is like going to Banana Split Sundays in the mid two thousands, right? Like. And just mixing watching, in other genres. Yeah, and stuff. you, Mike B, AM, like all of you guys in the DJ booth, like just every single genre like nothing was on off limits like that's what makes my fire burn the brightest and so i try to bring an element of that even into hip-hop clubs nice. sometimes work sometimes they're like get back to hip-hop <laughs> right but like you know throwing in a little red hot chili peppers acapella isn't gonna hurt anybody yeah for like 10 seconds you know so um i still try to keep a little bit of that alive even though hip-hop is very predominant right now in the clubs but then you go to miami and vegas and it's everything it's multi-genre right. again but la is yeah <laughs> vegas they, they want hip-hop but it's not as much you know they need that high energy la tends to not dance totally so the hip-hop still works because yeah. just kind of like background or like sexy music or something like but that but when you but. cut the music in the whole club in la like if you cut the music or whatever in the whole club raps to a line or sings to a line that's the definition of success in LA. Right. You're not going to get a huge <laughs> dance party. Yeah. But if like, you know, you cut it and the whole crowd wraps the 
lyric and then you come back, you're like, I have them. Right. That's how you know you have an L.A. crowd. What are the big songs right now? Are there oh any? Oh, my God. I just heard you talking about this in the last two podcasts. I don't have one for this right. year. I don't. No, Remember it's when, kind like, of the same ones two, from like, last year you play and they're the singing Before the pandemic, along. it was like... My type by Sweetie and like right. City Girls Act Right, like th- they were. You were like, those are the songs of the moment right, right. now. It's I still like play they those. Still are, yeah. yeah, I still play those, and they still get a huge thing, like um, a huge reaction. I don't know. I heard like Crooked say on the Pro- Road podcast, "Burn a Boy, Last Last." I play that. It gets a right, right but response. that's not huge I, in LA. I, play I don't think Bad it? Bunny, right? Bad Bunny, Pregunta, yeah. like that's. It gets a it gets a response, but right. th- this is there any hip hop song I wonder that's like a song that we played this summer? That, I mean, there's Drake, but it wasn't really no because Drake's album came out no and song. it was like yeah, you know, it's made song, for like the I play, lounges in I play, a way. No, but I play Sticky, I play Massive, yeah, I play those same. songs off the new Drake album, and they get a rise out of people like Jimmy Cooks. All those get rises yeah. out of people. They actually work for those. They kind work. Of clubs. They work in the club very well. But there wasn't for me. There wasn't one song that you know. Sometimes you're like a song comes out and you build your whole night around yeah. when you're gonna play that. Right. When you're gonna and the, the most BPM epic of it and the vibe moment of it, right. to drop that song. Yeah, I get to Poppy. I get to Bootsy, and I just. I go with the flow, right? <laughs> Whatever I want to play, like Such I know a weird there's, year there's for like DJing. you yeah. know, there, there's artists that I know people really like right now, and so I like Forty Two Doug. For some reason, any song you play by Forty Two Doug in the club gets a huge reaction. But yeah. like, there isn't a single specific song where it's right. the song of the night. That's right. I don't feel that right now. Yeah, it's true. It's such a weird, it was a weird summer for being a DJ yeah. all over the place, we were, we especially hip hop. But what's cool is that these international songs are like huge hits, yeah. like a Burna Boy song being a huge hit. We wouldn't have seen that three years ago, yeah. four years ago, like Wizkid Essence being such a big hit last year. We wouldn't have seen that right. before. Like people being like, you're telling me that Afrobeat is like, Afrobeat songs are like the trending songs. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that we wouldn't have seen that happen three years ago. And then even just the fact that like Peppas was a song of the year. Right. Very epic song for last year. Like it's just yeah, interesting. Bad Bunny. Bad songs Bunny that are right not now. in English. Like three songs <laughs> off Bad Bunny's new album are like the biggest songs of the night in the club. It's just very interesting. I love yeah. it. I love it. Me because too. Because like I used to play and like one of my annual residencies was in Tanzania at Dar es Salaam and my world got cracked wide open with like going wow. and playing there. They just wanted like? to they just wanted to hear hip hop and I and I just wanted to like trade music with everybody there. Like give me right. all your Afrobeats tunes and like I would play that and that would get a rise out of people cuz they're seeing this girl from California play all this like Nigerian and Tanzanian and so South cool. African music and I mean DJ How did that there, come about? Like how did you end up I with that I was DJing residency? an Ice Cream Sundays party at Lock and Key mm-hmm. with Sean G and um uh party promoter um named Amor with a company called We Outchias is he was out at Ice Cream Sundays and a friend of him from New York told him hey my girl Lady Shaw's playing check her out and he came up to me after and was like I'm bringing you out to Dar es Salaam Tanzania to play our parties and I was like yeah haha Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we hear that every week of our life. And like know. for me, that I was like, don't joke around about that. Like in 2004, I studied. So I started DJing in 2002 because my neighbor 
at UC Berkeley. Sorry, this is getting into a whole history. But no, please. Neighbor, I want to know about it. I that was, was part of the I was pre-med at UC Berkeley. Super, like I'm Persian. Wow. It was a super Persian thing to do. I was pre-med at UC Berkeley, um, 2002. My neighbor was DJ Fatrick. I always oh, wow. like played guitar and piano and sang. Like I was like a little Ani DiFranco vibe yes. girl like oh, just doing it. my little like Lilith Fair thing like at open <laughs> mics and then being pre-med because I was like well gotta be a doctor can't be a musician how silly right to think that yeah and then I um my neighbor was DJ Fatrick he started a uh, DJ course on campus like you students could start their own classes at UC Berkeley and wow, he that's was crazy. like 20 years ago yeah he was like I'm gonna start um I think it was summer of 2001 or 2002. He was like, I'm going to start a DJ course on campus. I need, I just need people to fill the seats. And he knew I was like into music and stuff. He's like, can you just like come be a seat filler in the class so that yeah. the class can get on its legs and get funding from the school. So cool. And I literally got first day of class. I sat there. He talked about the like intro to DJing, the history of DJing. Two weeks later, I drove into the city with my roommates and bought turntables off some guy from Craigslist wow. and brought them home, got a, I think, Gemini mixer from, the, the guy threw in a Gemini mixer for free <laughs> with my turntables purchase that I purchased for $700 cash. Two like techniques that I still have to this day. Amazing. Started going and I lifeguarded and taught swim lessons to make money and would buy records at the record store, like all kinds of records from hip hop to soul, reggae, everything. And I right. just like, well, you're in Berkeley. So you had Rasputin yeah, like and Amoeba, multiple, like the two best yeah, record stores. And like there, there's actually three record stores and I would just spend like, walk out with my receipt of like $279, $350. And it's wild. To, that still seems like a lot of money to me to this day. Oh, crazy, And I spent right? that much money, but you had to buy had records to, yeah. to then play parties and get money back. So it's, it was 100%. like a break even game Yeah, in those early years. It's just so true. buy records, get paid by the gig. It was like, yeah. you figure didn't, out how to make money. You did any it way for possible loved, and then drag it. your turntables. And then I would just like put the records into rolling suitcases and roll up to the gig wow. with like rolling suitcases. Smart. And then I graduated <laughs> Berkeley anthropology and still pre-med like double majoring in that graduated and mo moved home to LA in 2005 and told my parents I'm going to be a DJ. And they were like, yeah, right. <laughs> but it's just funny to this day, DJ Fatrick completely changed my life that day when he That's was like, incredible. I just need a seat filler. Just yeah. bring your body and put it in a seat in this class. You don't actually need to care about DJing, whatever. Just come be in the class so we can have this student-led class take off. And it changed the course of the rest That's of my nuts. life. That's like the power of yes. Like because, you just say yeah, yes to things yeah. and then you never know where it'll take you. You never know. But also what it was, was my real passion and love in life has always been music. Right. And I just didn't think me playing guitar on a sidewalk yeah. for change was going to be my path. And right. I didn't and want it to be my path. And then all possible. of a sudden DJing was like, here's a way to live and work in the music industry and make money immediately. Because like the second yeah. you even just, for better or worse, the second, the moment you say, I am a DJ, people are like, oh, I have this house party. Can you DJ it? Oh, right. I have this. Can you do, Can you come open for me here? Like all the gigs were just there. Like, yeah. and it was, I mean, some of them, I was DJing so many nights for free just to get the exposure. And then to bring it back to, full circle to Africa 
2004, I studied abroad in South Africa oh, it, at no the University way. of KwaZulu Natal in Durban. So there, Crazy. I got there not. Th- I thought it was just going to be like you know my study abroad experience. Yeah. I didn't take records with me. I got there and there was this club called Bat Center in Durban, just like the sickest hip hop parties I'd ever seen. I got there, I was like, oh my god, I want to DJ this party. At that point, I'd only been DJing two or three years, mm-hmm. and I. Um, went to a record store, bought a bunch of records. I bought like, you know, a couple Nas records, Lauren Hill, uh, Bob Marley record, Michael Jackson, whatever the record store had, I yeah. bought it. And then the university had a room with turntables and a mixer for some oh, reason. Cool. So I would just sign up and like go practice my set for hours in this little room and then ask the Bat Center guys to hire me. And they started hiring me every week to DJ there and they would just be like and here is this um girl from california (laughs) like uh, she's gonna dj now and then they would just i just remember like i was telling you earlier in those early years i really felt that being a female dj meant you had to be twice as good as a male dj for half the recognition because i remember in those early years getting up to dj my set at bat center it would just, I would look, to, the crowd was dancing. They were like, cool, cool, whatever. We're here to have a good time. Mm-hmm. I would look to my left and right and it would be like 16 DJs on the stage like this. <laughs> and I'm like, like why is she literally there? I waiting. They're wait. No, they're they're They all DJ at this club, but they are waiting for me to mess up. Yeah. They are watching me and waiting f- for me. And I did mess up many times. There were times, like in those early years, the, 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 I would say that the best way to learn is to DJ in public and in clubs. Yeah. And like that's your, you can DJ hours in your bedroom, which I did. I put hours and hours and in into my bedroom, but it's when you DJ out in a club that the learning curve is like exponentially, yeah. like intensely, like you learn so much from that experience. I mean, there were, I would be DJing and cueing the next song in my headphones and switch the crossfader to that deck, not realizing the volume was down. So I would be like, yeah, and then look up and the club is like staring at me because (laughs) it's silent out there. And like that happened just once and I'll remember it for the rest of my life. That moment where I looked up. You have to make those mistakes to learn from it. I had both headphones headphones on like both ears on so i'm like yeah i killed that i killed that blend and i look up and they're like i was like (laughs) so i like you remember those i'm I'm sure i've made a thousand mistakes but the ones you make in public in the beginning you remember those for the rest of your life so you know damn well i never did that again (laughs) because that moment was so like but i knew like all these djs are sitting here promoters djs club owners they're just waiting they're 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 giving you a chance and waiting for you to prove that female djs are not as good as male djs and i remember talking to um some veteran female djs in the bay area like oh what's your advice back in the day and they'd be like be impeccable practice your blends be like blend queen like beat matching queen like just get it down so that you can be like flawless yeah and like to leave very little room for other people to criticize you and be like see this is why like females shouldn't dj right but this is like i'm talking 20 years ago now the landscape's completely different now that there shouldn't be different advice for females versus males just be good everybody all genders just be good make sure you're good before you step out in front of the but anyways, yeah, when, make sure you're good. Make sure you care about it. You're doing it for the right reasons. And like, we're all just DJs at this point. Yeah. And 
Uh, I don't, don't think suck. we need to focus on the female, male, yeah, but back no gender, you back know, whatever. Back then, you it want. was way more of an yes. anomaly to see like a female on the decks, and people would be like, "Whoa!" But um, it just like as an aside to this day, people at the end of the night at Poppy and Bootsy will come up to the DJ booth and tell the lighting guy, "Great set tonight," and I'm like, "I'm." Wearing headphones in They're front like, there's of a, a dude DJ behind lady some buttons. Shaw. He must be yeah, the DJ. Yeah, it's like there's my DJ. Yeah, there's my. <laughs> I got I got passionate. There's my we're DJ Lady mic. Shaw laptop. Yeah, I'm wearing headphones and here's the DJ equipment. Right, and they go to the lighting guy five feet over with two just two screens in front DJ. of him. And they're like, hey man, great set tonight. And I'm like, and the light my lighting guys are always like, oh it was her. She was the right. DJ. It was her. And then they look at me and they're like, oh, and I'm right. like. Cool. It's just so 20 stupid. years into there's the game stigma, and yeah. yeah, it's there's still a little bit of anyways, to bring it back to Africa, I was DJing yeah. that ice cream Sunday's party and he was like I'm going to bring you to Tanzania to DJ and I was like no way cuz I have such an emotional connection to that time in my life oh, where so I was crazy. DJing I didn't clubs. Realize that whole I was like DJing the South African club scene like from Durban, Cape Town, Johannesburg. Yeah. Like I just made my rounds that whole semester abroad and to then be asked to come back to Africa you know, 15 years later, ten, uh, at that point, it was like eight years. N yeah. Eight, nine years later was like full circle for me personally. Like, wow, I've made it. Amazing. If I'm being asked to go back to the country where I made all my worst mistakes in front of all like, yeah. You know, and I mean, uh, Tanzania and South Africa are very close to each other, but not the same, but just to be in the Southern region of Africa near where I sort of you know, got my club chops was just like, for me, I'm like, come back to Africa. I made it. That's incredible. <laughs> what a cool story. That's amazing. Have you gone back to South Africa at all? Um, haven't been back to South Africa yet, but I do get to go to Tanzania like every year since then, except wow. haven't been back in a few years because right. of the pandemic, pa pandemic but life. yeah, I can't wait so to cool. go back. So you like, must really be loving all the Afro beats, uh, the explosion of the what, African what music. What was amazing to me was that now Afro beats is like it as prevalent here yeah. in the hip hop club scene as it was there when I was playing there, like hearing right. it in everybody's cars. In and London, in it was radio. crazy. I was like, out yeah, there and London. it was like, you know, as big as hip hop, it seems like in certain ways. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I mean, make it international. Like, let's get Arabic music up in the mix. Like, let's get That's Persian true. Music. You know, let's because get, like you're seeing like, the number one album is not in English. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Bad Bunny. We've got Afrobeats. K-pop, like there's every, it's almost like all the different cultures and all the different types of music are getting their turn to come and, and have, you know, shine among and everybody. And I'm sure for them, these artists in other countries, for their song to be trending on US radio has to be epic as well. Cause oh, that's yeah. like, wow, now you're on Sirius. Now you're just like power 106 is playing it. Like to me, that's amazing and yeah. i welcome i fully welcome that like let's get out right. of one genre club and like arabic music is so funky in so many ways yeah. and can be remixed in so Latin many ways music that like and arabic music it's gonna go all together go together so well yeah same with Afrobeats, yeah, dance hall Afro jamaican music like yes, it reggae, all all of that it just shows how connected human beings are you know as a whole and shows how music connects us all and that's why being a dj is so cool and it's like global. the more opportunity we have to play different genres in a set the more excited we are yeah and it's no fun if only the dj's excited it's way more fun when you play a whiz kid or burn a boy track and right. the whole club sings along to it then you're like this is beautiful this is epic. yeah 
And it kind of, we were just playing with the Serato stems, shout to Serato, right before we started recording. And I was putting an Afrobeats uh, drum break underneath the Elton John Dua Lipa song, and it totally changed the vibe. And it's crazy just to see how now we're going to be able to really remix things and take the bass line of one type of music and the drums from another and the singing from another. And it just shows how everything is so connected and we're all one but it's also so different you know and then you can just like i don't know all the different cultures coming together in this yeah. like seamless way it's such a cool and it's there's there's gonna be tons of feeling. opportunities to kill it with playing an afrobeat beat yeah under uh you know oh my god whatever i'm so excited to see the American what what comes out of all of yeah. this i just want to say like this beta 3.0 has been out for like Five minutes. <laughs> Five minutes. Twenty-four <laughs> like hours, day, yeah. and I feel like it should have come with a disclaimer of like we do not need to return to the two thousand six, two thousand seven mashup era. Oh my god, I hated when Global would. I, be I like, have noticed like, that everybody's no, saying. I don't that. want to hear another Lincoln Park <laughs> over a Jay Z beat over a um, Sweet Home Alabama chorus over. I don't want that. I hear again. you, but I feel like <laughs> on the other hand, there's a few things I gotta say. Use, Is that use number one three responsibly? Right. That's but all that's I'm already. Saying, but everyone's acting like that wasn't happening. That's what's been. TikTok and all the reels have blown up from people doing that the past two, three years. We're doing these mashups and, mm -hmm. and they were already creating the acapella and putting it over it. So I don't think that this is going to like, if anything, it's going to make it better in a way and people have more options to put it together. But we'll I hear you. I, just, I feel like that's been a big comment on Twitter the past couple of days. And I'm like... Uh, the other thing I've noticed is that some of the people talking shit about that stuff are also the people that are making bad things. So <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey guys, look in the mirror. But you know, who knows? Like, just don't don't give me your Fifty Cent Rolling Stone mashup. I don't need I mean, it. I don't want I'm it. I'm gonna play that. <laughs> <laughs> That's me right there. Sorry, people. That's what I do. I'm still playing the 2006 mashups. You guys can Only hate the on really, me all really you want. Really good ones, like 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 Z Trip <laughs> did good a. Um, he did a, a Don Pen no 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 over Mims. This is why I'm hot beat, and I play that to this day. That still was good. a tastefully done. Kills I think it Steve in the club Wonder mashup. Did that. Or maybe or did did Z Trip. A Z Trip did that, and then um, I have Steve Wonder Steve has ma mashups that too. too that I play, and Crooked. Yeah. Like, I've, Steve I have has all some horrible ones and some good ones. <laughs> yeah. Love you, Steve. No, <laughs> I always. He and got, I would get on the blogs and download all of them. He got married, and I was like, we should go and just do a set of his worst <laughs> mashups at his wedding. <laughs> and then I'm like, the DJ needs to play Conga Shake, his like best mashup, I have that. like I 20 times in that. a row. Yeah. But I don't think that happened. By the end of, by the time the DJ got on, at his wedding i don't even know what was going on we had drank a lot um but yes i feel you it's use it responsibly everyone um it's yeah, gonna lead to a lot of bad shit it. but that's djing that's like anything else like the ability for all of us to make video edits and graphic design edits and you know it's all the graphic designers are like oh they're making horrible photoshops and we're getting we're bearing the brunt of it now too as djs everybody has access to everything every kid in my son's class knows what DJing is and a lot of them do it and everybody, you know, everywhere, you know, and everybody's doing it. I mean, people's moms are DJs now and you know, like it's 
That's the way it is. If you're a socialite, a lot of these socialite people want to be DJs because they're used to getting attention and they're like, oh, this is a new way to get attention. Totally. So I get it. And uh, And I I would say that don't get mad when you see that because as quickly as they got in the game is how quickly they get out of it. Yes. The cream rises to the top. After this many years, I mean, it's crazy. I'm only 27. No, I'm just. Oh, me too. Yeah. Like 27 (laughs) has been my club age for like, I mean, a while now. (laughs) But anyways, um, I've seen a lot of these DJs come and go like influencer DJs, celebrity DJs. The only ones that stay around are ones that know how to put in the work. I mean, I know probably mm-hmm. a lot of hate from mm-hmm. the people, but it's like, you know, Paris Hilton, Paulie D, like some of those people, yes, Putting maybe they'll get the people work. that like them and people yeah. that hate them. I'm not saying any, you know, trying to give but my opinion. But they went all in. But they've gone all in and they have a genuine passion for it and they're putting in the work and they're some of the ones that have stayed around. I mean, Paulie D especially is somebody that was a DJ and then became this famous, famous. Jersey he, Shore at the guy. End of the and then day he knew where yeah. his bread and butter was right. coming from. Right. So but but I think a lot of the other people just kinda come into it and then go, Oh, this is hard or you know, and, and fall out of it and Mm-hmm. And or models or it's or, just or a cute whoever. thing to do for yeah. this. It's a cute look for this one event for this right. makeup company, and then boom, like yeah, it's yeah. fine. There's more than enough work to go around for everybody. Also, to those people or other people out there, my message is: you can have a hobby. Like you don't need to be a professional at everything. You know what I mean? Just like. I, if I started knitting, I don't need to like knit blankets and sell it. I could just yeah. knit on the side. <laughs> like you can DJ for fun in your house and you don't need to be a professional and try to get a job. Yeah. You know, that's the other yeah. thing. Or you can make music or there's people that play acoustic guitar for fun. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, not everything has to be monetized. We're like yeah. living in the monetization age where it's mm-hmm. like, if you're into something, you better turn it into an NFT or, or do that, a thing like, or, you know, whatever it is. That do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. That's we, true. But at the <laughs> no, same time, we work really hard. you're going to find, yeah, we, we still do work hard. We still do have our ups and downs, you know? So yeah, there's a, uh, you know, we'll see. It's all, it's ever evolving. But I think at the end of the day, we've put in the work and we're still here. And, um, you that know, is, I think I, that's the testament of this podcast is that yeah. like, a lot of your, your guests have been DJing 15 to 20 years at this point. Right. And we're here to say like, we, we went through the 2008 recession came yeah. back. We yes. are going through, a, we went through right. the pandemic. We are back at work. We may be going through another recession. We're still working through it, whatever that may look like. Yeah. Um, a lot of DJs jumped on Twitch. A lot of DJs like myself just stayed home and did nothing and like just kept up with music and yeah. tuned into other people's Twitches while breastfeeding. Right. <laughs> so right. like, you know, like I, there was no way I was going to be able to set up a Twitch studio in my house. Yeah. For baby and and like neighbors and stuff like that so it just didn't and i was not even worried about it i was like it's fine right people were freaking out and i was like well everyone has their own always want to party the parties will come well that's what that when like you said we made it through the recession and some those are some of the biggest years i remember 2008 like events just like kind of event budgets yeah but clubs went crazy and it was because people just wanted to go forget their troubles or whatever it was you know but dj rates were um, like sad and it was i mean club dj rates actually haven't changed much since the mid-2000s club dj rates in la at least still are 
Right. Um, Now's the time. We need to raise that up, everybody. Let's come together. Raise the rates. Actually, to talk about rates, I do believe in like talking about rate transparency. I've I've hit you up on DM and been like, hey, yeah, yeah, we talked about it. We've worked for this venue together. What do you charge them? What should I charge them? And was yours a one-off special event or is it a residency? Like you and I have talked about rates. I don't know that 15 years ago I would have felt comfortable talking to you about rates, but especially when you it comes to like your peers i feel like the more we talk about our rates out loud right. for like special events versus club events i mean dj's hit me up all the time hey i got this offer what should i quote and i tell them what i'd quote you and need then like tell glass them door for like, djs or yeah where and you I'm can just see like, everybody's rates the, the more we all charge and the more we all fight for like equal pay and higher rates and better rates like i think uh, yeah i've heard djs talk about how they're not getting paid much more in the clubs than they were 15 years ago. That's crazy when inflation right. and everything else has gone up. Club rates just stay what they're at. And like like I told you earlier, I, I see receipts on the floor at the end of the night at these clubs with $13,000 tabs, $15,000 tabs, like minimum $5,000 to buy a table. Yeah, DJ rates stay the same. And right. I know there's a whole lot that goes into the business of running a club that I don't know about, but I think it is okay for us to be discussing our rates with each other more and more because if I can show, like, display to you that you can ask for more money and I get you paid a higher rate, and then in turn that brings all of our value up collectively. Yeah, so I agree. I'm all about, like, don't be afraid to talk about money with your fellow DJs because it shouldn't be a secret. Right. And if the clubs are so, some of these clubs are so, you know, scrutinizing you so hard on every song that's played and it's so important to all of the music and the timing and all the stuff. So then you should pay that person yeah. more money if it's <laughs> yeah. that important, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree. On with the flip you. side of it, there's many DJs that will argue that there's a million DJs that would kill for that slot and would do it for much less money. But will they do the good job? That's the thing, you know? So go for it, get those DJs, but then you'll see what happens yeah. at the end of the day. They haven't had all the that's experience or all the failures to lead up to being able to be successful you know Mm -hmm. and it's like you said like we've been through all of this a lot of the people that have those 10 15 20 year careers have they all have their own path that's the thing is that everyone that comes on this show has a completely different story and i think that that's something to remember and like people texting me like asking how how can i get into corporate events or how can i get into clubs or how do i get into vegas and i tell them what i think but it's my advice you can only take it so far Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. a lot of it's going to be about yourself i I think everyone's story is so unique like you know there are people like you know michelle page came from a pr background and those co-workers from back in the day are the same ones hiring her for private events or daisy odell used to book me to DJ at the standard. Yeah, same. And so me she's too. been in both the the on the booking side of things, the DJ side of things, and as herself a musician and performer and singer yeah. side of things. So like it everyone's path to getting to where you are is, you know, DJ Ivy has one foot in the fashion world and one foot in the DJ world and has been walking that path for years now successfully. And so it's just so cool to see every DJ and their background and how they got to where they got. And at the end of the day, I, I really understand now all these years into it, that it's really about the connections you make when you're out, not begging people for work, but literally just showing up 
meeting people and you never know in two, three, four, five years, they're the ones that hire you and yeah. ask you to get into these special events and high paying corporate events. It's not something yep. you can force. It's something that you just do. You just be good. And you do have to put in the legwork of going out to parties and events and showing up and just showing face. And yeah. you will eventually find your place in the DJ world of and DJ events world. Yeah. Um, like, the other night I was driving back from this private party like in uh, the Palisades, like this beautiful event in the Palisades. And I drove by Ewan McGregor's house and it like really jogged my memory of how this all came about. The party that I was DJing that night was because years and years and years earlier, like Ewan McGregor's assistant, this wonderful woman, Shima, hit me up saying she saw a DJ at this other event uh, and asked them who the DJ was, and it was me, and she yeah. asked me if I could come DJ this party. I show up, it was Ewan McGregor's birthday, and the, there was a woman at that party that then recommended me to an event planner that did another party a few weeks later, and that event planner was who I was DJing the party for in the Palisades five years later. And it like it like hit Crazy. me like a bomb, like just driving by the street that you and used to live on, and like seeing realizing how the party I was DJing last month is related to this party at his house from years before. And like Ewan McGregor is one of my favorite actors in the whole world. I'd never imagine I'd be DJing his birthday at his house. Like, yeah, you never know where your career is going to take you. And I would have never, ever predicted that in a million years. And so when people say, how did you get to where you are? How do you break into special events, corporate events, high end, high paying events? You're you just it just happened. And it had nothing to do with all the mixtapes and business cards I passed out for 15 years. It had <laughs> nothing to do. With, I used to make my mixes, then get them get my friends who are graphic designers to make the cover, the track list, right. pay hundreds of dollars to print out CDs back when everyone had CD players in their car, CD players in their cars. Like yeah. that was the thing you could pass out CDs oh, and yeah, people would it pop too, it in yeah. their car on the way home from the club. Those didn't lead to, that was fun. Everybody still talks about those mixes and they will be in their attic and come across one of my mixes and, <laughs> and be like, I found this mix from 13 yeah. years ago that you gave me. And that's really cool. But that's not what <laughs> got me right. these corporate events or high-end events this day. So that's why it's so hard to answer that question for people. Right. But what do you think your, what were some of the first events you did or how you kind of got into that corporate event? Or private event circuit versus the club event circuit? I, I feel like they went hand in hand. It had to have been people seeing me in the clubs. Right. I, I remember you were doing Bar rat. Lubitsch yeah, a lot. I was, like, I was doing Because same, bars. I would do this place, Winston's, that was about a block away from yeah, Bar Lubitsch. So many events came from people just seeing me on a Monday night so. there. Yeah, so. no, I did Winston Saturdays. Yeah, I you used Lubitsch to do Winston's Fridays, all the time. Crown, Crown Bar. Crown Bar. Okay, so also... And doing I, those, those were like the LA in the, it was like 2006, 2007, LA hot spot, like loungy that's where type Rihanna thing. would be, not yeah. at, not at, there wasn't right. Like and then big, those would lead to a lot of events. You're right. Like, yeah. The, the celebrities would be at these little hole in the wall bars, like the dime Winston's. Yeah. And like, how did you get into those? Like, like when you came back in 2005 and you told your parents you were going to be a DJ, what were your first spots? Like, would, would you start, go out? I, like you I, yeah. said, coming out to see me or yeah, what, what no, would you? I would, I would just look up um, clubs and like look up 
what nights they were popping and right. I would just go either by my, I also had just had ACL surgery. So I would go to a lot of these clubs, like literally in crutches with like a huge cast on my, <laughs> like I was recovering from ACL surgery from like too many, like I used to bomb hills and UC Berkeley skateboarding, like longboard oh skateboarding and shredded my ACL. So that, what? I, oh yeah, I, know, I, I would be at clubs in crutches. A lot of people to this day would be like, I remember when you would show up to the club in crutches and you're, cause that was 2005, like ACL recovery is like five to nine months right. or something like that. So I was like, at least you have like a weapon, it, like self-defense. <laughs> yeah. I would be just like <laughs> parked up in the club, like what? And then meeting DJs, meeting promoters. One of my first gigs, like a promoter offered me the, remember that club Hollywood and Highland. Yeah. Was it called? Home or something or no, no it was something way, else. Way, way before then. Can yeah. you, cause you know, LA nightclubs have like more of a two to three year run. I don't remember Vegas. what it was called, but I think yeah, it was called Highlands. I was gonna say it was called the Highlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The and so they had like the like main that. room and then like the the back room VIP room. So yeah. this promoter, you know, this is like back in the day how you would break into the biz. Was the promoter biz, would be baby. like, bring twenty five people and I'll let you oh, DJ yeah. the back. You know, like those kind of deals that yeah. like these Hollywood promoters would give you. And I was like, okay. So I would like hit up all my friends in LA and be like, right. I'm DJing at Highland, like. Say my name at the door to get in, and then I would roll up with my records because at that time, like 2005, I still didn't have Serato. When did Serato come out? 2006? Yeah, it, w- it was about then, but I don't so think any of us were there was using like it a in year, the cl- Not yeah, many people were it using like it in the club till a year or two that I still had to um, yeah. take records to the clubs right, after I moved to sure. LA in 2005, back, back home to LA in 2005. So I would roll up with my rolling suitcase of records, and like one of my very first gigs, at hi- they didn't even open the back room. I DJed for an empty room because they're, you know, the club's goal is to pack the main room right. before they open the back room VIP room. Yeah. And so I played in there all night long and I was like, why is it empty? Why is it empty? They never opened the door. Like not even my own friends, my 25 friends that came out, they couldn't even get into the room because the club security wouldn't open that. Oh, and you're back in the back room I'm DJing in the for VIP That's room, amazing. that special back room, doing a DJ set for the bartenders because they didn't even open the room that night because they were the so focused on packing. The bartenders were really doing the, nothing. Yeah, they, like, everyone was worried about more packing the main room right. before they lose half the crowd to the back room. Yeah. And so that was like one of my first memories of DJing at a Hollywood club. DJing, like my friends would sneak in, say hi to me, and then be like, "Okay, we're going back out to the club." I'm like, yeah. "Okay, I'll be here, waiting like, for them to for open the doors." <laughs> yeah, like so. There was a lot of that. There was like working with different promoters that I met in Hollywood, right. and at the end of the day, they're just trying to get people into their club. So if you're a yeah. DJ, they can bring your friends. They would hire you and pay you what fifty bucks, a hundred bucks, a hundred fifty bucks back mm-hmm. in the day, and I just did that. And then I started opening for bigger DJs at like a bunch of clubs then open like block opera eden like those clubs opened up and i would dj right. i would i would be the opener dj for the headliners there and then it just naturally happens a dj calls out sick and they call you like can you be here in 5 minutes to headline and you just have to be ready to say yes like right. whatever you're wearing whatever you're doing drop it and run to the club to be oh, the yeah. headlining dj that night that's just what happens to you as an opener you become a reliable consistent source for club owners and promoters and then when that opportunity comes they text you like 
can you be here? Or like, I remember I was opening for Rick Rude once and he was like, I can't make it, get to the club now. And I don't even remember what club it was. I was like, <laughs> okay. And then from there, like they started hiring me as a like headliner. So yeah. I remember the transition from you be ready to show up to you headliner. Know? You just have to be ready yeah. at the drop of a hat to all of a sudden be put into the headliner slot because things happen for DJs, for owners, they double book, they book on the wrong dates. All of a sudden they realize at 10 30 PM, they have no headliner. And they call you like, can you get here in five minutes? And there were many times where I just was like, okay, like, yes, <laughs> right. be right there. And then also there were, a, because I wanted more opportunities to DJ, I took, um, I started throwing my own parties. I, my best friend, Anisha and I decided to, she was in the PR world and we decided to join forces, start a company called Lioness LA and we would throw parties and, and donate a part of the proceeds to a charity that we chose. And she would get like Whole Foods and this headphones company. She would get all these headphones companies or not headphones, multiple right, companies to companies. give us product. We'd like stay up all night making gift bags. And then like we threw a Valentine's day party at AM's club LAX Wow. Like in 2011 or something or 2009. Yeah. I can't even remember. Like it was, you know, we started in like 2006 and for six years we threw our own parties at all the hottest clubs in LA and we would have to, like we were rookies. We didn't know what we were doing. We would have to agree to really high bar minimums. Right. Because we were like not, uh, we were not like their regular Hollywood promoters. We were just, just these two girls that wanted to invite all our friends out to a party. And so we would throw these Linus LA parties, invite hundred, get hundreds of people out and try to make that $10,000 bar minimum guarantee in order for our kickback to begin. And we'd be like checking with the bar at the end of the night, like where are we at? And yeah. sometimes we'd like have to buy 20 shots to hit our minimum oh in God. order for our 15% or 20% kickback to come to back to in, us yeah. to make money from the night. And we did that for six years. So I got to DJ a lot of clubs just throwing my own parties there. That's interesting and a cool way to show how you can get into places if you're unable to get into it with the other promoters yeah, or with the, the owners. Yeah, the club owner and the promoters And are then they'll already, see you there and realize, yeah, oh, this person should be here. But it's nights. kind of a... Yeah. That's, that's and really cool. And then the... Um, uh, uh, to this day, Anisha will act. So I've never been signed to an agency. I've never been signed to That's a manager or a booking wow. agency. Never. And I you've know never had any. I've watched, always done your own. I've stuff. watched you go through I've multiple. Been through a lot. <laughs> I've, and I would be like, oh, spiders on Dexter. Maybe I should get on Dexter. Oh, spiders on whatever. I, maybe I should get on that. Oh, maybe like, I think I've even asked right. you over the years. Oh, how's your experience with the, and then you'd be like, oh, they're going out of business or what I, whatever. Right. Like, I don't know what, whatever would happen. That's cool happen. to think about and to see, like we've both been doing it. You yes. know what I mean? I had people you didn't. But, like, and, what's I mean, that's impressive. Yeah, I've that never you've had never... a manager or booking agent, but I will ask my best friend, Anisha, to like there have been times where she's acted as my manager acted okay. as my booking agent when i feel like it'd be unprofessional for me to represent myself right. i just pass it to her and she handles but she's just my best friend she's not a dj booker or manager or agent or anything she just helps right. me when i don't feel uncomfortable representing myself in a situation right so um yeah, but all the like I'll work with tons of different agencies and event planners and um event production companies that'll bring me in. Yeah. But never like a manager or a a, a booking agent that books me for everything and takes a percentage of everything I do. Right. There'll be like 
people I'll work with on one-offs and they may yeah, take a percentage. Yeah. But like non-exclusive just, and you'll just, work yeah, with them. But. Yeah, I have non-exclusive things like I'll I'll do stuff with Nona Entertainment with yeah. Michelle or other DJ agents, not DJ agencies, but event planning and event yeah. production agencies that'll hire me or bring me in or right. whatever, like Netflix or whatever will be like, we want her and then the event planner and event agency will yeah. reach out to me and work it all out. Or, but Wow. What is there anything you've learned over the years of doing your own stuff uh, I, that I, you could pass on to people out there? I, I've heard DJ Vice say this, be a good person, be a kind person, be a nice person. And that, I mean, he's had a ton of like representation in terms of booking agencies yeah. and managers and road manager and all of that. But I, at the end of the day, it comes down to you. Are you a person people want to deal with? Yes. And are they comfortable just going directly to you? And I was, I was always open to signing with a booking agency. It's just, it never, right. Like you were talking with, um, in previous podcasts, it's something that has to naturally come to you and naturally like, um, organically happen. And for me, it never did. And so I never like, I never was like, what about Scam, like, please sign me right. or like Dexter, please sign me. I'm an, I'm an up and coming DJ. Please sign me. Cause like you said, they have to see like dollar right. bills over your head. And then you have to see dollar bills in the situation where you're about to hand them 15 to 20% of everything right. you've built. Yeah. So for me, I never, that situation never naturally came about and I never pushed it. And to this day, all my clients from like, you know, Emmy's parties, Patek Philippe, they're all clients that just come to me directly, give me the date, I give them the rate, I make, I write my own contract, my own invoicing, everything. Sure, there's days when I wish I had five people working for me that I could outsource all that out to, but I also think I'm a control freak and I am also okay doing it all myself. So it's literally like my eyes are on the situation start to finish. It is sometimes hard to talk about yourself and figure out the rate, like how do you figure out your rate for some, uh, do you have a set rate? Do you do like hourly or do you have a set thing or do you just go per, okay, this seems like this, this is what I'm going to do. I think every DJ has to have their bottom, like their minimum for what they will work for. I uh feel like for clubs, it it shouldn't go under a hundred an hour. And for special events, I don't think it should go under a thousand an hour. And that's funny to me because how can I work in an industry where I'm okay okay with the club rate that may be a tenth of the corporate rate but there's two different values in those things yeah for a corporate event or a special event or a private event you are bringing all of your expertise to that venue and they may be hiring you because you are a dj at a very hot club yes so you dj that club for much less because you are a getting the experience learning to dj in a very high pressure situation and also just having all the eyeballs on you and being in a very coveted spot that many DJs would love to be in. And so I walk both paths and have two very different rates, you know, when it, when it's appropriate. Yeah. That's interesting and a really cool way to look at it. And, and I, I agree like you're, you tend to get paid less in clubs than events, but it it can lead to those other things. You know, you never know. I do think it's okay to talk about, you know, minimums that we should all be comfortable working for. Like I don't like hearing 
that there's clubs paying less than a hundred an hour or bars paying less than a hundred an hour. But I also know there's a difference between a small bar with like, you know, a much, many fewer people coming through the night than like yeah. a club that has hundreds of people coming through the night. Yeah. But I like to, you know, I just like to encourage people like have your minimums and, and learn to say no for anything that comes through under that, unless you see a real like value potential in it. Right. And then um, for special rate, uh, special events, the rate is higher because you're really bringing all of your decades of years of experience and expertise to that event. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And I you're catering specifically to what they want. And yeah. it's just a so whole I different think that's thing. why it's okay for your special event rate to be higher than your club rate. And also like, I'm a, I'm, I love, I love clubs. I'll do clubs till I'm 80. I hope I don't right. know. I DJed a club till I, to, in the club. So I was eight months pregnant. So yeah. let's see how old I can be <laughs> DJing still in the club. I love that. And like, that's so cool. Like, I still love it. That's like where I come alive. Like, you know, 12.45 a.m. when the yeah. club is like in that sweet spot and everyone's bottles and drinks have arrived and it's like go time. Like, and you just, you know, go, you're like, it's go time. I'm just going to like drop this and then this and then this and then go to this and then drop weekend crew love and then go into like Lil Wayne, go DJ and then knock if you buck, then bring it back to like the new Drake album. And then like, you're just like in it. And then yeah. like, you look up and it's one forty-five, and it's time to play three <laughs> slow jams and get everyone out. And then you're like, what just happened? And I do all of that <laughs> usually that what just sober. Happened. Yeah. Like the lights come on and you're like, <gasps> you're usually sober. Like you don't really drink or smoke or do whatever. Sometimes you know. I drink, but like, I, I like think tequila makes me a better DJ, but I also don't like the way I feel the next day after drinking. And right. so that sounds about I right. pick my battles with nights that I'm going to drink or not. And in LA, the night is so short and yeah. I'm like, I know by the time I you like have two drinks, it's over. everywhere. Same. I don't like waiting for cars. So like I drive myself, I like pull into the valet. They know me. They're like, Shaw, how's it going? Like I yes. pull into the I spot. The same, I same have the back staircase format. way to get into like Bootsy and Poppy. And like, I just love the convenience of driving myself. And I, yeah. it's too short of a night to like get your drink on, right. sober up and drive home. Yeah. And especially being a parent, <laughs> we're both parents. Morning, like you want to be able to wake up and be yeah. with your kid. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's crazy. So yeah, I, so I, I pick my battles with drinking and, and like for the most part, I'm doing all this sober. The, the high for me is that intensity from 1230 to one yeah as it should be that is the That's high so cool. for me even right. arriving at 11 p.m i'm already feeling the high begin of like oh yeah. my god we're about to go on a really intense journey three tonight. hours are gonna be yeah. nuts yeah I know. I think that too. Sometimes I'll be like, there's only an hour or something left in the night. And so many crazy things are about to happen in the so next hour and 45 minutes. Like happen. I may get a drink thrown on me. I may <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the, your favorite rapper in the whole wide world might walk in. Like the what's some of the, entire, off the top like, of your head, is there any crazy thing that stands out? That's like that either. Other than catching COVID from Fabio? Yes. Yes. A different um, one. <laughs> if you don't have it, it's fine. I know no, I'm putting I just, you on the like, spot. I, but. I, I will just look up and see, you know, there's been like, oh, I was DJing One Oak one time and they were like, Rihanna just walked in and I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> it was just your favorite artists and yeah. like, or, you know, like it's funny because I'm not into sports at all. And now I'm friends with all these NBA players and I have to ask my husband who they are and who they play for right. when I get home. And my husband's like, like, that guy's tall. Is he good or not? Oh my God. <laughs> like you're that was Dwight Howard. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like, it's so it's just, I funny. do the same thing, but with my son, 
I'm like, I was DJing Ben Simmons' birthday. He's like, what, yes, Ben Simmons? I'm like, I didn't know who he was. It's all, it makes it more fun when you can talk, tell somebody who right. knows who it is. I'm like sending a video. I was like, who is this person? He's like, that's the tallest basketball yeah. player, Bogdan. I'm like, I, do, I have no yeah. idea. He looks really big. Yeah, no, it's just like... it. That that's the very very fun part about Poppy and Bootsy. When I get there, I'm not told who's bought tables, so I'm just right. waiting to see who shows. I know up I started doing that happen. lately. The past like month or so, when I've been doing this that spot in Hollywood, I'm like, who's any plans tonight? for tonight? Yeah. I'm like, who's coming in tonight? And they'll be like, Kygo and his manager, are like Swedish House Mafia, yeah. and I'm like, oh, good to know. Yeah, good. So to like, know. I get this ready. Like, I, I can hate drop when this, they don't know? like let you know, and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah. yeah and then, like Drake walks so in, you're like, oh so, Jesus Christ! Yeah. All right, here we go. And Drake's dad is always at Bootsy and Drake's Poppy dad for some is reason. Always. And like, That's the, a guarantee, but they'll just right? be like, you know, um, so and so, like the game is at table four, and he wants this song or Dwight Howard or whatever, like this NBA play, this the whole. The Lakers bought out those three tables and they want these three songs. And I'm like downloading them like on the side, hoping Serato doesn't crash with a browser open while I'm like playing <laughs> you need that new computer to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm about to pick up this MacBook Air with the M2 chip and I'm like, good. I'm like delaying picking it up because I'm like, Make sure things even work with the M2. I, I think they M2's just got it to work with the M1. Yeah, M2's not yet supported, so this is going to be an interesting ride. But yeah, no, you'll be good. You, you'll you, be good. Your, your laptop becomes your ride or die, and then yeah. when it's time to switch to a new one, I get full-on paralysis, And you'll be but good. it's time. So yeah, They make it a lot easier I now. just want to be able to download whatever it is that the Lakers want because we are in LA. Songs, Both the okay. Lakers and Clippers are here and then all of the visiting teams and and then like yeah, you get the soccer players come in and they want like the, a lot of the French soccer players want these French songs that they walk out to onto the field and they want those right. played at the height of the night. And so it's like I just want to be able to do this stuff without a computer crashing. So like Serato freezing on me or anything like that. So um but yeah, that's what I mean by a high intensity high pressure situation which is the club it trains you like no yeah. other for then you can handle anything after that when like you're getting managers and and bottle service um hosts coming and asking you for things for tables and then your texts are blowing up with promoters or doormen telling you so and so's walking in they want this song and this table is now move this table to this table and this table is now coming to the dj booth and they want this song it's like a very intense high pressure situation and you just have to you be like see what we deal with that's <laughs> why at the end that's why at 155 you're like <sighs> yes what just happened? Yeah, because it's Is just, the owner it's gone. So Did everyone fast. leave? What's yeah, that? it's oh just God. it goes so quick in a blink of an eye, and it's and it's so hard intense. to go to sleep after that too because you're all like yeah. hyped up. Like I'm like I need some time to decompress. Then I have to go and like watch Handmaid's Tale or whatever till like four in the morning <laughs> yes, so that I can like decompress and then go to bed and then yeah. wake up with your child. Yeah, and <laughs> but no, I'm not gonna lie. Like I my I have a huge support system. Yeah. Mainly like they my husband, my mom, my sister, people who help out on the weekends majorly and during throughout the week so that I can prep for gigs and then go to these gigs and not be worried about childcare and what my kid ate for dinner and what time they went to bed. When I step into the club, yeah. I'm full on. It's like whiplash. It's literally like you're like in mom mode and then all of a sudden at 9 p.m. on a Friday, you're like, <gasps> I should shower. I should Okay, let me, sh I don't know when the last I was, I sh okay, I'm going to shower, get my clothes on, get my makeup on, do my whole thing, like, 
warp into DJ Lady Shaw and then step into the club and be back to 2019 pre-baby DJ Lady Shaw, turn up in the club. It's just a lot harder now because you've had a full day with your kid. Right. And no, before, totally. that's like, Im- that's before a kid, I would impressive. sleep until 1 p.m., Yeah, have whatever I wanted to do, and then like be hitting my energy peak at 10 p.m., ready to go out. Now I'm right. like, I want to go to bed, but it's time to switch <laughs> gears and become DJ Lady Shaw for the next five hours. Right. So that's really interesting. It is. But it's, it's not hard to do. The moment I step into the club, I literally, everything else melts away from me, and I'm like just zoned into being a dj for that event like i i love it the outside world could be burning down and i'm like no right i am djing this focus. event. <laughs> like laser focus kicks in and yeah yeah that's that's great um i know we don't have that much time so we want to hit a couple more topics like before we get out um Another thing that we did together was the Beyond the Music retreat. Um, I was able to do some speaking things there, and you spoke on a really important panel on the first one as well as you were at the second one. Um, Do you want to speak about that at all? I Uh, mean, both of those experiences were, like, the best weeks ever. I was so happy that, like, Vice reached out and Dazzler and Styles Davis, and they all were like, we want you on the like DJs and health panel. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm not like the picture of health, but okay. Like I think we all do things in our daily lives. But you did such a great job and it was so insightful and amazing. Like what, how did you come up with what you were going to talk about? I had no idea. I just (laughs) let like vice lead the way and I followed suit and just talking about real life experiences. And it's a very real thing to live in a nightlife vampire lifestyle yet still be a human in the world like a regularly (laughs) normally functioning human in the day we're barely doing it and the reason (laughs) why like i you and me both have like under eye circles a lot of days like we're just like oh god that's why i do like an hour and a half of makeup before i go to my dj for you to wear makeup (laughs) everyone's just like you look tired i'm (laughs) like this is my normal face no a lot of concealer (laughs) helps me just split that right around but um there's so much more we have to do to counter act our job yeah it's not that like we're drinking all night for fun. We're literally right. like in a space at night where we are working and focusing and like th- those are just our hours. And so I think there's a lot we have to do during the day and with the rest of our lives to combat that. So whether it be like hydrating electrolytes, like I'm going to turn blue in the face telling DJs to drink electrolytes. It's a game changer, especially for hangovers and getting movement and making sure your mind's right. Making you, you can't go turn up in the club if emotionally and mentally you're not in a good place yourself yes after that high of the club is over you're in a dark place afterwards yeah. if you can't True. find a way to keep yourself like even keeled throughout your day and night and after and have your come down whatever way you need you need to whatever routine you need to come down yeah you need to maintain that and have it and and so I think that's what each panel at beyond the music was so valuable. And I learned so much and like, just not it, sometimes it wasn't even learning. It was just like commiserating and like feeling yeah. like there were a group of people you could relate to on almost like every aspect. Right. And so that's why beyond the music was so, yeah. but I think your panel so was nice for people to talk about something that is not talked about as much in the DJ world and to hear it from experienced people and for everyone to sort of, 
commiserate and share stories about that kind of stuff instead of just like, oh. And just share tips on how we yeah. survive. Right. And maybe do a little better than survive. Yeah. Maybe even thrive a it's little It's hard. Bit. And we've had to learn, you know, because you, you are just trying to survive, but we yeah, should be able to thrive. Yeah, all you're told in the news is live. that people who work nights live shorter lives. And you're like, great. <laughs> oh, great. Let um, me just um, drink this yeah. little cup of electrolytes and maybe that'll reverse the whole thing. No, it takes uh, so much more than that. What do you that. use? The little powder I, electrolytes I, I, or something? Sometimes just a pinch of salt in my water oh okay like literally Interesting. just just anything to like good to know balance yeah your sodium level whatever i don't know how it works right. but it just like i know it works electrolytes work um, um that's super interesting um I, I know another thing that you've been involved in just very recently and that's in the news and that's oh, very yes. near and dear cool. to your heart of course and i don't want to get through the podcast without bringing more awareness to this and talk about it is the stuff that's going on in Iran. Yeah. It's I been know, like you know, I'll let you talk very, about it more than me. Heavy on, I, I'm, the last three weeks have been like all consuming for Iranians or Persians where this, it refers to, you know, the people of Iran. We, those of us that like my parents, I was born in Iran and my parents okay. got us out in the early 80s okay. and all of us that got out of Iran after this Islamic regime took over and basically flipped Iran on it's like Iran before this Islamic regime was just like Mecca of fashion and art and culture and then the Islamic regime so incredible took over to and see, flipped everything yeah, on you its head. You see those videos and pictures yeah. and us growing up you know like in the 80s and we only knew the the other side of mm -hmm, it you know what mm -hmm. i mean so that's and i, I was so like crazy. you know i it was the 1985 my the, the revolution happened in 1979 in 1985 my parents got us i my my dad saw the writing on the wall of like religious fanatics are taking over the government and this is not going to be good so wow. he got a, he came to america my mom and i he set he set us up in la my mom and i followed a few months later and then all of the people that got out of Iran, like all of us have this guilt that we got out and everyone else in Iran is still there fighting the fight on the ground. And so three weeks ago, the morality police, um, they took in a girl, they, they ride through the streets and all my friends in Iran have a story where they've been pulled into these morality police vans, beat up, taken to a station, held, their parents have to come get them in the middle of the night or the next day, they get questioned, they get, you know, abused, you, you don't know what happens. And then they, um, it's, this is the way of life in Iran. And it's all because they're enforcing the dress code of covering women, covering their hair, wearing the hijab. And um, my sister was like, I'd be dead if I lived there. I'm like, I know, right? Like we just like, you don't know what you would do if you still live there. And so all of us who have gotten out have a degree of guilt. And so protests erupted over the killing of Masa Amini, who was taken in by the morality police and then since then the youth of iran and this is like not our parents generation this is yeah. the youth i'm talking thir 15 16 year olds college students high school students just spilling into the streets it's just like every their their inner rage has bubbled over and they're in the streets and it's almost like they have nothing to lose at this point yeah. they're just you know 
balls to the wall protesting against this regime, burning headscarves, cutting their hair, like women are out there cutting their hair in the streets and being arrested, beaten, taken in. And so all those of us outside of Iran can do is share the blurry videos that are, Iran has shut down the internet for most of the day. People have filter breakers that they put on their phone to get videos and texts out. And all the rest of us around the world can do is share those videos, share the coverage, try to get CNN and BBC and New York Times and LA Times to cover it and share it and amplify the message of this protest, which is women, life, freedom. What's funny is that in America, we're fighting for the same thing. And so it is not I, I hard to relate to. Hearing the parallels and the, you know, uh, religious people trying to take over governments it's, and it's, I mean it, it, and it's crazy why it, it's difficult I think sometimes for the U.S. to empathize with countries all the way on the other side of the world yeah Middle Eastern countries you know African countries right. it's it just doesn't seem to get the get into the news cycle in the same way as a European country would but well because the also they've time, been sort of demonized in yes, the news over time for no reason the youth of Iran oh my god these are the bravest people i i think i've ever seen out, out in the streets literally the islamic regime has military running through the streets and these people are just out there without wow. weapons just like you know really protesting and yeah. riding for this cause for 3 weeks now and you can't help but hope and wish that this is going to finally be the page that turns the chapter in the Islamic regime and brings Iran to the glory it used to be. And so, yeah, all we can do is amplify their voices, share their videos and, and right. Go to the protests here. Yeah. The protest in LA on Saturday, my mom and sister and I went and there were 20,000 people, more than 20,000 people there. And it was so emotional. And just, uh, I, I wouldn't be a DJ if I still lived in Iran. My life would be completely different. And so none of that is lost on me that coming to the U.S. is why I have the privilege to do what I do and be here today and talk about the last 20 years of DJing. None of this would have been possible if I still lived in Iran. So that's why it's completely just mind-blowing and there is a degree of like well what can we do from here and all we can do like everybody has been doing on my timeline and stories and on tiktok and twitter is sharing yeah sharing spreading awareness and just being like a support from the outside while all the youth is out there fighting on the streets and you know putting laying their life down putting their life on the line yeah oh my god so powerful and so just incredible what's going on you know in good and bad ways i guess yeah and i mean i when this podcast airs who knows where this situation will be right and and it's changing literally every day and all you can hope for is like well i'm just gonna do my dj gigs here and live my life here and share what i can and hope for this massive regime change back in iran so that i can go back do I even dare say DJ in Iran one day? Because right. right now, it's I can't even. I've visited a few times, and I can't even say I'm a DJ for a career. Right? Wow, that's um, incredible. Well, it's good that you're. You know, I'm glad we were able to talk about it on yeah, here. Thank and, you. You know spread the word Thank about it and, it and it's and commendable you know everything here you're doing go, for here it. goes to a massive regime so then djs can actually add iran yeah. to their dj tour rotations right. someday. like that would be epic right 
So oh, we'll see. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me. Because yeah. This is, this oh my is God. like a conversation 17 years in the making. It and really there was is. no way we could have gotten this deep had we talked 10 years ago. So I'm yeah. glad we have all these years and experiences and right. hiding out in your DJ booth and <laughs> yeah. being at events and getting to talk the way we can now. It took all these years to lead up to this. So. Yes, this was great. And um, yeah, just I learned so much about you and your career and just everything. And so thank you for taking the time to come on. Is there any, um, well, two things. Let everybody know where they can find you, a website or social media type Every, stuff. Everybody can find me on IG at DJ Lady Shaw. And then okay. um, my website is ladyshaw.com and... I post mixes and my schedule okay, and great. everything there. All right. And any uh, like last words, final words for the DJs or anybody listening out there? I think what I would say is that don't force it. After there were there were years where I wished to be where I am now and here we mm -hmm. are. And there's I forget to take a look at where I am now and appreciate it because I'm constantly thinking of where I want to go next. Yeah. But what... I do realize is that all those years of trying to push things and force things to happen are not what led to what I have now and the gigs I have now and what I do. It all happened on its own time. All I really needed to do was be good, be good at what I do and practice and be better every day. That's that's perfect. As Snoop would say, blad out. But I don't know <laughs> the button right here. So great. DJ Lady Shaw, thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, go get home to your beautiful child. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do the same. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next time. Bye. Later. Thank you to Lady Shaw for coming on the show. That was so much fun getting to know her and hearing about all those important things she had to talk about. So much insight, like I said. Uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. Make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Let us go up on the charts or on YouTube. Uh, make sure you tell all your friends, post the clips, repost it. Thank you guys for the support. The 20 Podcast is produced by BeatSource. Join us next week for more interviews as we discuss music that matters to DJs. I'm DJ Spider signing off. Peace. And that was the 20 with DJ Spider.